Come on, good to be in the house of the Lord. You could be anywhere today, and you chose to be in church. So uh, we believe that this is going to be a time that's just profitable for all of us. Every time we're together, when we hear the word, we worship together, things are happening in the unseen that will show up in the scene. Amen, everybody? Uh, come on, we're just not, we're just not, like somebody said, we're not just natural people living a, you know, having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual people having a short natural experience. We were known and we were made in the very heart of God and God's working and God's doing things in us and through us and, and changing things and, and reorganizing some things. So no matter what you're going through today, no matter what it looks like today, all things are possible. Things can change, things can be turned, things can shift in a moment. And so don't, don't be the person that stays and, you know, there's a lot of negativity going on in the world. All kinds of negative circumstances will dog your mind and get you down a rabbit trail and, and get you thinking, you know, uh, everything's wrapping up in the sense of everybody's going to hell. Well, can I tell you, uh, God's still working. God's still moving. Things are still happening. So let's be the people that just believe God. Amen, everybody? Hey, we're going to start a new series of lessons today that I, I don't I just kind of came up with this title. I, 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 I trust that the title kind of sticks with you for a couple of weeks. And it, here it is. How we can make our church great. Now, I, I am not saying our church isn't great. So let me throw that out there right away. I believe our church is great. I believe we got great people. I believe we can serve a great God. Come on. That somebody should have clapped or said something then. Like, you know, I come on. I believe, I look around and go, man, there's a bunch of great people around here. Yeah, there's a bunch of great people. People that just go above and beyond and serve God and love and just give and do all kinds, pray, you know, just do all kinds of stuff in, in our church and in the community. But, but I'm always uh, after, in my own life, how can I do something a little bit better? How, how can I improve? I don't believe, again, as you've heard me say, I don't believe the older we get, the staler and stalier and dustier and mustier and, and, and crankier we should get. I, I believe we know God better, we, we know God more, and we just keep going from glory to glory. We keep going from faith to faith. We keep going from strength to strength. Come on, it just never ends. It just never ends. And so when we talk about this, how we, and the, and the operative word would, would be we, not anybody else. So I want you to put you there. It would be, you know, you reading that, how, how I can make our church great. And just, I want you to take ownership for the next couple of weeks as we look at this. And we'll look at a, probably a real familiar verse of scripture. It'll be our key scripture in just a moment. Before I get there, let me just kind of set it up. I was reading uh, an article that was uh, talking about pastors, and it was done by this Christian organization that really pastors are, are, are connected with, and, it, and here's what it said. That they had surveyed over 2,000 churches where these pastors had gone and planted a church, so they didn't take over a church. It was an existing church. They, they, they took over a church, and you know all the, if you're going to start a business, you know all the, 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 the strength, and you know all the planning, you know the detail, and you know you're burning the, uh, the candle at both ends, like they say, what, what, what a pastor would do. And, and they, they, they followed them and they tracked them. And then afterwards, they, they got a chance to sit down and talk to them. And they found out that eight out of the 10 
pastors who were currently planting the church, they'd already planted the church in the middle of it all and moving it forward, that they had these four primary emotions. These pastors now, these are people who have given themselves to God, they've been to seminary, they sense the call of God in their life, they said yes to God. They sense these four specific emotions, they said. Number one, drivenness. Number two, discouragement. Number three, disillusionment. And number four, discontentment. And, and, and it kind of challenged the, the guys that were doing the study, and, and they dug a little bit deeper, and here's what the conclusion of the study found. And the reason I'm saying this is if this is the, 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 the end result of a man or a woman who have committed themselves to God to further his kingdom, to build his church, to maybe move to another city, to take the hit financially. Uh, they were making X amount, and believe me, when you start a church and you're pastoring a church, you're not going to make X amount. You're going to make negative X amount. So they've taken a hit. Their families have been maybe left, left their immediate family, and, and you, you know the deal if you've been in church long enough. And, and they came to this conclusion, and they found that said the same thing. When they dug a little bit deeper in all these pastors' lives, they found that their lives were full, their tasks and their agenda and everything and the pressure of starting the church, or we would say the pressure of starting the business, etc., caused them to stop doing the most important thing they needed to do. And so for the next couple of moments that we have together, we're going to look at a scripture. I'm going to give you a scripture from the book of Revelation that, that Jesus talks about one of these seven churches. It was the church of Ephesus. So we'll set up the, today's message with reading that. But then we'll read really what Jesus said about the exact thing these pastors were dealing with and the thing that we as ordinary folk are going to have to deal with all the time. Read with me. From Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 through 4. Jesus is coming and he's going to talk to seven churches. They're real churches, pastored by real, a real pastor back, you know, a couple thousand years ago. John had this revelation and, and, and he writes it and records it in the book called the book of Revelations. And Jesus comes to John to record, to then pass on this word to this pastor and to read to these churches. And he says this, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know that you can't bear those who are evil and that you have tested those who say they're apostles and they're not. There's some false teachers and some people that are trying to you know, pull the wool over your eyes, per se. And he says, you have found them even to be liars. And he goes on to say, but you have persevered. You've persevered. You've stuck with it. It was tough, but you stuck with it. And, and you have patience. You've, you've endured long, and you've held up under stuff. And you've labored for my name's sake, and you haven't even become weary. I, I'm amazed at all these good things you've done. But then he says this in verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Jesus it's in red letters in the book of Revelation. And he tells us all this stuff these guys have done was phenomenal. 
Your labor, your patience, your, your, you, you can't even stand those who do evil and are trying to trick people away, false apostles and, and prophets. And you, you found them to be liars. You've, you, you've, you've pointed out their falsities and, and you've pointed people in the right direction from following the gospel. You, you've, you've not been weary. You, you've done this for my name's sake. You, you've got great patience, but I've got this thing against you. You're working, you're doing it, you're, you're, you're going, but in all your going and all your good stuff, you forgot the best thing. You left me. Man, I, 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 when I look at this and I read this, I'm, I, I'm so challenged because we, if a pastor can do this, if I can do this, if I can get so busy working for God, I forget to be with God. What, what goes on in your life? Because I know your schedule. I know you're up early, and I know you're working, and I know you got the family, and I know you gotta, you got to deal with life, and you got to pay your bills, and you got to run around. Listen, can I say this honestly? My life, I think, in a lot of ways, is totally more simple than your life. I get it. I, I have more pressure, maybe some different pressures you don't, but you've got a whole lot different pressures than I have as well. But my, my, my plea and my prayer for everybody in the room, including me, is in the middle of everything that we're doing and everything we're called to do, listen, and everything we have to do, we don't leave the first and the best thing. He says, you've left your first love. How are we going to make a great church? Let me tell you how we're going to make a great church. We're going to do this and we're going to read what Jesus tells us. How we're going to make a great church is this. We are going to follow the great commandment and we are going to do the great commission. This is how we're going to have a great church. We're going to follow the great commandment and we're actually going to do the great commission. It, it, it's, it's really that simple. If we'll do these two things and for the next you know, couple of weeks or so, we'll dig around and, and we'll look at what the scripture talks about this. If we'll do this, we are going to have a great church. We're going to reach people. We're going to encourage people. People are going to grow spiritually. People are going to get saved and filled with the Spirit. Marriages are going to be changed. Kids are going to get taught the Word of God. But in the middle of it all, if we do a bunch of activity and don't spend time with the one who gave us life, we will do what we do in vain. And God doesn't want us to do and serve him without having a deep passion and commitment to wanting to be with him. It's really kind of interesting that Jesus, when he called the disciples in Mark chapter 3, it says he climbed a mountain and he called those whom he wanted to be with him. And it says they came to him. He called them to be with him. Then he gave them power to cast out demons and, and, and heal the sick. It, it's an amazing thing. He called them to be with him. There's just something about your daily routine of setting aside time all throughout, you know, throughout your, your, your weeks and your months and your years just to not forget your first love. You've done great things. You're serving. You're going. You're, you're, you're doing the will of God. You're, you're giving. You're praying. You're using your influence at work. But, but have you left your first love? Is there some other love that's creeping into your life that's driving away your first love. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, Jesus says this. Look at the scripture. Guy comes to Jesus and says, teacher, what's the great commandment in the law? Then Jesus says this. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Uh, Mark uses the word after this and strength. But he says this is the first and the great commandment. We'll look at the next part of this uh, next week, hopefully. But, but notice what he says there. What's the first and great commandment? Here it is. Love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I am convinced that if we individually will concentrate on this, listen to me, God will take care of the rest. First and foremost, we need to be a people that love God. Not just throwing around the word love, but, but I, I want to look at this. What, what does it mean practically? What, what is this really saying to us practically? Not taking it off the pages and applying it to our life and massaging it into our life so that we can be a people that regardless of the activity that we do, that we would be known as a church. Hey, those Spectermites, come on, them, them folks down there, they love God. Come on, everybody. They just love God. They, come on, everybody. They just love God. Look at how they worship. Look at how they serve. Look at how they give. Look at how, I mean, I mean, things that, and we'll talk about it next week. Just, just look what they do with one another. They just love God. It's apparent that they love God. So let's talk about it just a little bit. That, 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 this thought is that love can't be love. Love just can't be love unless it's expressed in words, actions, Choices, direction, attention, purpose, and consistency. Love is just intentional. It, it, it's, 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 love can't be love unless it's expressed. There is no such thing as unexpressed love. It's got to be expressed. It, it can be in words, but maybe sometimes it's not in words. But it will always be either in words or actions. You can't love anybody unless it's words and or actions. The same way with God. It, it's, it's, it manifests itself in the choices that I make or don't make, in the direction I'm going or not going, in the attention I'm giving or not giving, in the purpose for my life. I love God, so I surrender my life to him. The purpose. And, 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 and consistently, my consistency, love has to be just intentional. And so, so we can't say, when you read the, 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 uh, the last couple books in the Bible that John wrote, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he's known as the beloved apostle. When you read what he writes, you, you come to the conclusion that I can't say I love God and stay the same way I am. I, he just says, he actually says, you, me, Gary, you are a liar. If you say you love God and your life does not change in a direction devoted and directed toward him. If there's no intentionality, if, if there's no difference in your choices or, or the purpose of your life, you, you, are, you are not truthful. We, we know this, is that, is that when we're in a relationship with someone, if, if we're in a relationship with someone and we say we love them but we keep doing destructive things, your words are betraying you. That, that's just not right. And so the same thing is in my relationship with God. If I say that I love God, if I'm going to be a person that loves God, I've got to value the relationship and can't, I don't want to damage the relationship. And so maybe the problem for a lot of Christians, I'm not talking about you, but just a lot of Christians, maybe the problem is that we don't really have an idea that God is really in our lives. 
and, and he's really real. And, and he's really, we would say, a person. Not a person like us, but, but a person. Uh, and so I want to encourage you is that if we're going to be a church that just that, that makes a difference, we're going to be a church that's a great church, the first thing that we've got to just tackle and keep coming back to is that, is that I'm going to have to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind. I, I'm going to have to just keep pursuing God. And, and, and I, I don't want to be the person that's doing all these things and, and leaving my first love. Man, he tells us three things here what Jesus said that we know from the book of Deuteronomy. We're to love the Lord, he says, number one, with all your heart. With all your heart. What, what, what's that mean? When you look at it in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word heart comprises lots of different parts of our body, uh, or excuse me, of uh, our being, I should say, not our body. It's not, it's not your pumping heart. It's the real you. It's the, it's the person on the inside of you. It, 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 it's, we try to uh, separate the different aspects I do, and sometimes I think I do a good job, and sometimes I think I muddy the water because the word is a pretty deep word when he talks about your, your heart, you know, love the Lord your God with your heart, with your, with your soul, and with your mind. All three of these things are, are, are separate, but they're vitally and directly connected. So let's just talk about this. When I'm talking about loving the Lord God with your heart, I really see from the scripture that the heart is the center of your being. It's what you're directed towards. It's what your purpose is. Everything we know, the scripture tells us, everything comes from our heart. The Bible actually tells us in the book of Proverbs to guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart flows everything in your life. Whatever gets planted in your heart grows. If you plant love in your heart, if you plant a heart that's directed toward God, that's what's going to keep growing in your, in your, in your life. But if you per, per, uh, plant activity in your heart, if you plant, you know, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm going to go my own way, I'm going to think my own thoughts, I, I love God, but, but I'm not going to give him every aspect of my life, that's what's going to keep growing in your life. We need to guard our heart, it says, with all Diligence. So there's something to it that I diligently have to keep coming back to my heart saying, why is my heart being directed away? What have I allowed in my heart to cause me confusion or anxiety or lack of peace? How come, how come my relationship with you seems distant? It's kind of like when you go into a house or you, or you go with a couple and you know that they've had words. There's just this, you just know something's going on in the atmosphere. You can just sense what's going on. Is that your relationship right now with God? God wants you to love him with all your heart. This means how we, how we pursue God, how we pursue God with our entire life, how I pursue God with my career, how I pursue God with my money, how I pursue God with my time, how I pursue God with the relationships. Are you okay with the relationships in my life? If you're not okay with them, I'll cut them off. I want to love the Lord my God with all my heart, a heart that's directed, a heart that's surrendered, a heart that says yes to him and no to myself and no to my flesh and no to my desires. I want to say first and foremost, Lord, if we're going to have a great church, I've got to take my heart and put it on your altar and say, Lord, direct my heart to you. Love the Lord your God. Secondly, he said, with all your soul, with all your soul. This is your emotional realm. 
your emotional realm, how we feel or how we desire God, how we feel about God, how we desire God, what's going on in your soul. Is there, is there no desire to serve God? You, 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 we might go through the motions, and, and it, it can be almost like a loveless marriage. We're, we're, we're together for the kids. We're together for the benefits. We're together because we don't know what else to do. We're together because we, we can't be separated because we can't afford to live in California anymore. God says that's not good enough. What do you do with your soul, with your emotions, how you desire, how you feel about God? All my and your soul, our emotions, our feelings need to be brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Just brought under the lordship of Jesus. I'm not going to let my feelings, I'm not going to let my emotions run away from me, Lord. I'm not going to let this situation that I'm going through drive me away from you. My feeling about whatever it is or the culture, whatever I'm sensing right now, whatever's prevalent in culture, I'm going to let my soul be directed to you. I'm going to love you, Lord God, with all my soul. The writer Luke says this, he says, in patience... Possess your soul. You, as a believer, must possess your own soul. You take charge over your own life. You say those feelings or those emotions will not dominate me. God loves me. God's for me. God's, God will not condemn me. Come on. Come on, everybody. So you don't let your soul run away. Like just a runaway train, you know, blowing the horn down the, down the tracks saying this is where we're going, you're never going to change. No, I'm going to love the Lord my God. I'm going to, I'm going to love him with my soul. I'm going to love him with my emotions. And, and no matter what I'm sensing or what I'm feeling, or I'm feeling insecure here, and, and so we run and we hide. No, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to be strong, and I'm going to believe God's working in me, and he's going to give me boldness. He's going to give me courage. Whatever it is you're dealing with, I'm going to love the Lord my God, he says, with all your soul. Come on, everybody. Love the Lord your God, he says, with all your mind. With all your mind. Again, these things are correlated. These things are all connected together. How we think about God. Just how, how we think about God. L listen, are you still battling that, that God could, God's good one day and he's bad the next day? Are you battling that, that, that God did that, whatever that is to that person? <laughs> Do you think that God is the one who's, who's the one causing death and destruction and fear and poverty and abuse and hurt and the heartache of man. If you've got a foot in both of those camps, how you think about God, your mind will be confused. And the scripture tells us that our mindset has got to be aligned with God, that we know in the book of Romans and we read it says, God is always going to love us. Nothing could separate you from the love of God. Not death or life or angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, it tells us. Over and over and over. That is God's heart towards you. And the scripture is asking you and me, will you love me? Love the Lord your God with all my mind. I'm going to get my mind set right. 
Come on, I'm going to get my heart right. I'm going to get my soul right so I can serve God so that we can be known as a person individually, but also a church. That's a church that just loves God. Just loves God. Wow. Wow. Man. My thoughts will regularly drift if I do not come back to the word to keep me centered. They will drift. Um, you know, I cycle. I, I, you know, yesterday was an 80 mile ride and we're out in the mountains out in the East County and you're riding and you're, you know, you're going. And, and I, have you ever been driving your car or ever been exercising or ever been riding or doing something and almost like you didn't, but almost like you just kind of blacked out you know, and you kind of went, and you kind of went, where I been? Huh? Kind of, kind of, what just happened? What just happened? What, what, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Uh, anybody, anybody, anybody ever have that thing that played around your mind when you went, when you saw the, 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 the Loomis truck or the, or the truck just delivering the, the money to the bank and you went, I could probably rob that. <laughs> Any, anybody? Anybody ever thought, I could probably take that guy? No? You, no? No? Wow. That's why y'all need to be praying for your pastor. No? I have these thoughts. My mindset needs to be directed on God. See, some of y'all laugh at me without nervous laugh because y'all know you had that thought. That was a word of the Lord for somebody in the room. Isaiah said the mind that stayed on him is life and peace. Life and peace. So, so, so I, I want to love God with my heart, with my soul, with my mind. That's what Jesus said. So, so what does, I had this question, what, you know, for me this past week, you know, what, what does loving God look like? Just three thoughts here. That's all I'm going to give you this morning. Three thoughts. Practical. What does it look like? Number one, let me give it to you. We are to have a devoted love. A devoted love. A devoted love. Here's what the scripture in Exodus 23. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. We know in the Old Testament, God tells the nation of Israel, I'm against polygamy. I'm against polygamy. No other gods, no other idols, no other, we're not serving God and Buddha. We're not serving God and the crystal. We're not serving God and the money. We're not serving God and Hare Krishna. We're not serving God and Muhammad. No other gods before me. Um, this tells us that we are to love God exclusively. He wants us to love him and love him only. I, I, I don't know. I, I think we're all on the same page here. Um, marriages don't last if there's a side game going on. They just don't last. They're not going to last. Marriages require there to be no other man or no other woman before me. If there is another, there will be division, 
there will be divorce, there will be discord, there will be disillusionment, there will be depression, there will be all those D's. You shall have, he tells us, we need to be devoted, have a devoted love to God. Man, the Apostle James wrote some crazy stuff, and there's some people that believe that he really wasn't even writing to Christians, and I, don't, I, have, I have a problem with that. But James writes to his readers, and he actually calls them this, and he says, some of y'all are adulterers. And he says, not because you're sleeping with another man, another woman that's not your spouse, but that you have an adulterous love affair with the world. And he said, you've made yourself a friend of the world. And if you've made yourself a friend of the world, you're an enemy with God. In other words, the world has become your lover and, your, and I'm no longer the love of your life. We need to have a devoted love to God. It does not mean we don't like doing what we're doing. It doesn't mean we don't enjoy going to the beach and taking vacations and going to eat and hanging with friends. That's not what it means. But it does mean I have to have, number one, singularly, have no other gods before me. I have to be 100% sold out and devoted to God first. Amen, everybody? Paul said, Demas left me having loved the present world. Wow. Paul wrote that our love has to be white hot. John the apostle wrote that we have to have a pure, uncontaminated love for God. No other contaminants in it. It can't be, it's got to be white, pure, hot. We spent 13 years in Canada pastoring a church. Every, not everybody, but it seemed like almost all the guys that lived in this town worked at a factory called Kaminko. It's owned by an organization called Tech, and they're one of the largest lead, zinc, silver smelters and refiners in the world. So this little small town of 8,000 people, all these guys, a bunch of these guys were union workers, worked hard jobs, long hours, 12-hour shifts. One of these guys said, hey, come down, let me give you a tour. And they took me into the place where they, they bring the ore in. That's, you know, rock, look, just looks like rock or coal. They bring it in on, on trains, they shovel it off, and they bring it inside this huge uh, manufacturing facility, and they smelt it. In other words, they put it in this huge container, and they just turn up the heat, and they bring it down to nothing, and, and uh, they, they, it's for lead. As, as it's boiling and hotter and hotter, and these, these containers are just massive. And the guy would get up there and he'd have on the, that mask thing on the front, you know, and he'd have these lead, you know, these gloves so he didn't get burned, have these shoes on that he wouldn't get fried because the heat was so intense. And, and as the heat is causing all that metal to just come down to just molten hot like lava is what it looked like, they would get up there and they would shovel off and they would scrape off the dross that would rise to the surface. In our lives, here's what I'm concerned about. Most Christians' lives, but people that say, I love God, we've got so much dross, we can't see any fire. And so God is asking us to be people that are devoted to God. Come on, I know you like Netflix, but be more devoted to God than Netflix. 
than Hulu, than HBO, than come on, Facebook and Instagram and WeChat and TikTok. And come on, somebody, you make some great videos, but how about make a video with you and Jesus reading the Bible? Come on, somebody. I don't know. Maybe that's for somebody out there today. I don't know. Our love is to be uncontaminated, pure, pure. Come on, somebody. Have a devoted love. Come on, would you do that this week? Think about it this week. My love to God is going to be a little bit more devoted. I'm going to, I'm going to say no to some other things. I'm going to say yes to, yes to God. Amen. Secondly, we, we're to have a greater love. And let me explain this. We're to have a greater love. And this will just take a second to explain with these two scriptures. You might think, what, what does that mean? Here in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus talking. It says, he who loves father and mother more than me. That's the operative word more than me, is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or his daughter more than me is not worthy of me. But guys, this is, this is tough stuff here. He's saying some tough language. Then look what he says in Luke chapter 14. He says, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate, doesn't hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Guys, this is tough. What is he saying? I got to hate my family? I got to disdain my family? If, if I love my family, I can't be worthy of you? Is that what he's really saying? Yes, but no. Not, not quite maybe the way most people are hearing that. Here's what he's saying is that our love for God, our love for God has to be stronger than our love for our families, and even, he says, your own life. Our love for God. And I know this is tough medicine, but Jesus said how we're going to be a people that are known for our love, how we're going to be a people that love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. we, we got to have a greater love than I do for my own family. i got to have a greater love for God, listen, than I do Kimberly. And I've been married almost 38 years. I, I've got I've to spend just as much time, or more time, greater, more time, making sure my love relationship with God is centered than just my love relationship with my wife. And not just that, because I know a lot of families that they, they tolerate their spouse after a while, again, and they really love their kids. And that's completely whacked out. You're going to face pressure from your parents who don't know God and get mad at you because you're passionate about your relationship with Jesus. And you're going to have pressure and challenges raising a family from your love and attention that will be seemingly misdirected from them Towards God. I am not saying abandon your family. I am not saying don't love your spouse. I am not saying don't take care of your parents. I'm not saying don't love your children. I'm saying our love for our families should pale in comparison to our love for God. That's what the scripture says. When Jesus says, hate your family, what he's saying is that your love for God will look like hate for your family. I love God so much. I worship God. I come to church. I serve. I go to small groups, whatever, whatever, whatever we're doing. 
is that I, I, they'll be able to say they loved God and they did not neglect their family. Not either or, both and. But at the end of the day, I'm going to love God first. Can I get an amen, anybody? Let's have a greater love. Come on, let's have a greater love. Lastly, come on, just in conclusion. I know this tough message. I know, because I think, you know, we, we, we all think, has anybody ever been to a marriage conference? And when you left the marriage conference, you kind of went, dear God, I didn't know if we're married. <laughs> I, I mean, like how we react, how we act. Have you ever, come on, anybody? I'm, okay, got two people that are honest in the room. Praise. You know, we were at a couple mar marriage conferences before, and I went, wow, I don't even know if I really love my wife compared to what that guy said. Everybody's got a, you know, everybody finds their rhythm. Uh, but, but when we look at the scripture, my, my intention is that we would just personally go back and say, how's my devotion to you, Lord? Do I have a greater love for you than anything else? Have I placed anything else as an idol above you? And then just lastly, we're to have an obedient love. An obedient love. And here's the scripture in John chapter 14. Jesus says this. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Notice that. Has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. What, what a great scripture. What a great scripture. So what Jesus tells us here is that obeying the word, obeying the word means loving Jesus. Obeying the word means love Jesus. I'm going to love Jesus. He tells us, go back to that scripture. Could you aim me for a second? Notice this. Whoever has my commands, I have them, have them. So I'm a Christian. I have the commands. I have the word of God. But that's not enough. I, I, I got to keep it. I have a ring. I have a ring. May 25th. I got, I got on the inside, so I won't forget. May 25th. 1984. It's, it's really on the inside. It really is. It really is. May 25th, 1984. I have the ring, but am I keeping what the ring means? I, I have you in my life. You've saved me. You've delivered me. You've changed me. But am I, what am I doing with this relationship? Have I put anything above you? How, how's my obedience to you? having and keeping the commandments. This means I, I, I know what to do. I have the commands. I know what to do. And I do it. No feeling. Again, my soul. Love the Lord God. My heart, soul, mind. Part of my strength. The strength of my mind. I know what to do. And I'm, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No feeling. No emotion. Doesn't matter. This is what this is what I do. I read the Bible every day. I pray every day. I'm going to love my wife every day. I'm going to love my kids. I'm going to raise my kids to serve God. That's what I'm going to do. Obedient. Obedient love. He tells us here, obedience to God. Obedience to God means that you trust Him. Really, in areas you don't even understand. I don't understand that. 
You say in your word, I don't really even understand that, but I'm just going to say yes to that. And Jesus tells us here that the reward for this obedient love is his abiding presence. He says, I'm going to make myself known to you. I'm going to show myself to you. You're going to sense my presence. You're going to know. You're going to know what to do. You're going to know where to go. You're going to know that I'm with you in the middle of this storm. Jesus told a parable here. Let me just say this last thing. It's a crazy parable because I think it, it's, it's, it's me. It's you. And Jesus tells a parable. and He says, hey, l- l- let me tell you. There, there's two sons. And, and a dad comes to the first son. And he says, hey, go out in the vineyard and work. And, and, and go ahead and get, get busy. And, and, and the first son comes back and he says, no, I'm not going to do it. But the scripture says he regretted it later and he went out to work. And then the father came to the second son. And he asked the second son the same thing. He said, son, go out in the vineyard and work. And he said, I'll do it. I'll do it. But he never went. He never did it. And Jesus then asked the people, the leaders, who did the will of the Father? And they all knew it was the one who actually did it. Even though at first his heart was not in it. Can I tell you something about obedience? Obedience, if you'll just make up your mind, I'm going to obey I'm gonna, it's just love and action. I'm gonna obey you, Lord God. I, 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 I don't understand it. I'm, fr- I'm, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm hurting here. Uh, I don't understand everything, but your word says this. I'm gonna obey you. Can I tell you something? Your feelings will line up with it. Don't wait for a feeling, don't wait for an emotion. The first son said no, but he regretted it. And he said, Come on, man. Dad asked me to do this. I'm gonna do this. And there was reward with it. Man, all these things, all these great things that the church of Revelation did, man, they persevered, they endured, they, they, they were dealing with all kinds of situations going on in culture. Man, they, they, they pointed out people who were dealing falsely in the things of God per se, and they had patience, and man, they, 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 they were in it, but they left their first love. These pastors we talked about a moment ago planted a church, man, moved across the country and raised money and, uh, again, said yes to God and kind of probably put their families in the back burner for a long time. And yet, at the end of it, they're disillusioned and discouraged and, and just discontent with what's going on, even though maybe the church is growing, even though things are happening in the community. Yet they left their first love, your first priority, how we can make our church great is if you and if me just fall more and more in love with Jesus. Come on, everybody, say amen. That's just a fact. Yeah, right there it is. Yeah, on my heart, on my soul, and on my mind. I'm going to think in line with you. I'm not, I'm not going to say what I, what I want to say to my spouse, to my kids, to the work, workers around me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk in love. People are going to notice, listen to me, you're going to shine, like the scripture says, as a bright light in a dark world. And listen, the dross that rises in our life will be scraped off because there's a fire burning deep within the very life and the very power of God. Come on, you're going to see it. Other people are going to see it. Come on, love always wins. Amen, everybody. Come on, stand up. You've been sitting for a while. Yeah. Come on, let's pray this prayer. 
all across the room. Father God, I thank you today that your love is working in our lives and we're just making a decision. Come on, just the next 30 seconds. This will be your time before you forget, before you walk out the door, have a coffee or a donut, talk to anybody, or go back to whatever you're going to do on Sunday. Right now, right here, these next 30 seconds, I'm going to devote my life to you deeper. I'm going to obey the word deeper. I'm not going to have any other idol in front of me. If there's something going on in my life, Lord God, please talk to me by your Holy Spirit. I want to give you my full life. I'm going to surrender to you today. Have your way in me. Have your way in me. Years ago, we used to sing a song in the Baptist church. It was, have thine own way, Lord. Remember that? Huh? Ever remember that? Huh? Y'all remember that? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. I am the potter. You are, wait a minute, wait a minute. You are the potter. I am the clay. We better get that right, huh? You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after your will while I am waiting, yielded, and still. Wow. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded, and still. Come on, that's my prayer for us this week, is that God molds us and makes us into something even more beautiful than we really are. Let's fall in love with Jesus. Come on, everybody. Let's love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's just fall in love with him. Amen. Come on, Father, all over this room, we just thank you for those that are away from you, those that need you, Lord God, this morning, those online. We pray today's been a day as we've sung and worshiped you, Lord God, that the battle belongs to you, that we're hearing you, we're following you. We're going to know you more and more this week. So, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would talk to your people. Come on, all over the room online as well. If you don't know Jesus, pray this prayer right now. You've come to the service for this time. Come on, this is what God's going to do right now. He's going to have a spiritual transaction. Your spirit is going to become born again as you pray this prayer, as you say yes to Jesus and no to whatever's going on in your life or the world or the flesh or the devil trying to lead you astray.